At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warm up for the low. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. We've got a great podcast for you. It's in the second segment, to be joined by Joe Fan. He's over there at WinBet. He does the Bet to Win podcast. He is going to be joining me as he is a man that prior to coming to Las Vegas, he was out there in Seattle doing a great job covering all things in the sports landscape there. So, got to get his thoughts on what we've seen out of the Seattle Mariners this season and what we wound up seeing with that big giant brawl against the LA Angels, what that means for both teams, why both of those teams out there in the West have faltered and some of the big series to take a look forward to this week and just the lay of the land with regards to the American League playoff picture. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. If you got one or two ways, we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GNNRSquarty1. Keep in mind, letters ZM, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you're at this podcast, five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. So I have that five-star review. Really did not wind up receiving any Twitter questions today, but had a great day of baseball Monday. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends in. Try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the Rowdy Recap. 
There was a point in the Oakland A's game against the New York Yankees where they were up by a count of 5-1, to one, and, well, that evaporated from there as the New York Yankees were able to use the long ball to be able to get a 9-5 to five win as they wound up having a pair of bombs in this one. Anthony Rizzo, he winds up going deep off of Paul Blackburn for his 20th home run season. Blackburn allows one to John Carlos San, his 18th as Blackburn. Lost three runs over the course of five innings. He had an ERA of a one on the road entering into this one. You figured there'd be a little bit of regression, but wasn't really him that wound up doing this team. It was a six-run seventh inning as the New York Yankees wind up getting to Adam Muller. Two runs, one of which was earned, give it up in one and a third innings. A.J. Puck, who entered into this night with a sub-220 ERA, gives up three runs, two of which were earned without getting out. And then Austin Pruitt gives up a run while getting two outs out of the bullpen before Kirby Sneed. He delivers a scoreless setting for the Oakland A's. No home runs in this one, but they did go three of four with men in scoring position as they were able to dive into the bullpen a little bit. Jordan Montgomery, he winds up going six to two-thirds innings, but he gives up five runs along the way. Albert Abreu has to come in for seven outs. He was able to do so scorelessly and gets four strikeouts. So the Yankees, they just continue to roll. Now 54-20 and 20 overall on the season as they take that one by the run line. The Washington Nationals, they take down the Pittsburgh Pirates by kind of three to two as the Pirates wind up walking the plate with Miguel Yajur getting the start. He looks solid. Four scoreless innings. They wind up giving up three runs, but by and large was able to do a nice job. Yerdy De Los Santos comes in for two innings, giving up a run, and then Chris Stanton, as he's done all season long, stunk up the joint for the Pittsburgh Pirates, giving up two runs and two innings, including Mikel Franco getting his seventh home run season off of him. Eric Fetty-Wap gives up two runs and five innings as Oniel Cruz gets his first home run season. Kid has been very good since getting called up. Eight RBI in a week. From there, though, the bullpen was able to do their part caller. Carl Edwards Jr., two scoreless innings, and then Kyle Finnegan, Andres Machado. They both give you a scoreless inning. A big plus money underdog that was able to come through, the Colorado Rockies. It's something I've been taking a look at teams coming off of Sunday Night Baseball being flat, and the Dodgers offense, it sure was flat. 4-0, to zero. Colorado able to get it done. Tyler Anderson, four runs given up over the course of six innings, allowing tennis along the way, including home run to Jose Iglesias, his first home run season, as Chad Cool wound up pitching a complete game for the Colorado Rockies, giving up just three hits along the way. Nothing doing for L.A. in this one, as Phil Bickford, David Price, they both delivered a scoreless setting, but the Colorado Rockies pitch a shutout at home. Their second shutout in their last four games, prior to the last four games that they wound up playing, they had not had a shutout all season long, so the pitching looks to be getting there a little bit more for the Colorado Rockies. The LA Angels, they got there against the Chicago White Sox. 4-3 the final for Lucas Giolito. He winds up going six innings, giving up two runs in this one. First time in six starts that he allowed three runs or fewer in this one. So that was very big for him. But that said, the bullpen didn't wind up doing him a lot of favors as Rinaldo Lopez gives up two runs in an inning before Jimmy Lambert gives you a scoreless inning. And for the Sox, they do go 2 of 9 with men in scoring position. Noah Thor Syndergaard, he winds up giving up three runs over the course of seven innings. But was enough to get the W as Ryan Tapera. Rossi Iglesias both give you a scoreless setting. Lots of suspensions coming for the Angels, but they're all appealing those. And the Seattle Mariners, they've got lots of suspensions looming. They're going to be appealing those as well from the brawl that we wound up seeing on Monday. But for the Seattle Mariners, wouldn't have made a difference because they wound up just getting destroyed by the Baltimore Orioles. 9-2 to the final, and the Orioles, they've got a better record than the Seattle Mariners right now as Tyler Wells, he pitched very Wells in this one, giving up just one hit in five innings. That one, it was a solo home run as Cal Raleigh got his 10th home run season. From there, a bullpen that has been in the top seven 
in the league in terms of bullpen ERA was relatively solid. Keegan Aiken, three and a third inning scoreless. Drake Reeble did give up a run while getting two outs out of the bullpen. And for the Baltimore Orioles, lots of deep balls in this one. Anthony Santander, 14th home run season. Ryan Moncastle, 13th home run season. Austin Desai's kid, 11th home run season. Adley Rushman, third home run of the season. And then Ode Mateo gets the sixth home run of the campaign as giving up four of those bombs was George Kirby as he allowed seven runs in his four innings, including four deep flies. Ben Murphy from there gives up another one of those home runs. One run gave it up in two innings for him. And Tommy Malone, he has to come in in long relief, gives up one run over the course of three innings. So a rough night out there for Seattle. A rough night if you are a fan of the Royals, but the DK Nation pick was on Texas, so we had a good night, 10-4 the final. Just the second time in the last 13 starts, which Martin Perez winds up giving up more than two earned runs as he actually got shelled in this one. Four runs given up over the course of six innings, giving up all those in the first two innings of the game, but Brett Martin gives you a scoreless setting and Brock Burke gives you two scoreless, and the Texas Rangers were helped out by the Kansas City Royals committing a pair of errors in this one, and they also wound up having a Mitch Garver home run off of Chris with a gay Bubich, his eighth home run season, and it was a Bubich trap for anyone that bet on Kansas City. Bubich, seven runs, five of which were earned, given up in four two-thirds innings, including that home run. Matt Peacock, they tried to let him fly, and he let them down, giving up three runs over the course of an inning before Jackson Gower was able to give you three and a third inning scoreless, but the Royals they are now riding a three-game losing streak with two of those losses coming against the Oakland A's. So things not going too terrific out there. Things were not terrific for the Cleveland Guardians on Monday. They wound up losing to the Minnesota Twins by a count of 11-1 as for the Twins, they were really able to get to Tristan McKenzie, pair of home runs surrendered by him. Nick Gordon gets his third home run season off of McKenzie, and you wind up having Gary Sanchez get his ninth. As for McKenzie, seven runs give it up in six innings, including a pair of bombs. Brian Shaw, he would then give up a home run of his own going deep off of him. Carlos Correa, eighth home run season as he allows two runs in two-thirds of an inning. Ernie Clement, position player, has to come in and pitch in ninth. He gives up two runs over the course of an inning, and you had Ian Gibbalt. He winds up coming in. He was able to give the team four outs without giving up a run, but for the Guardians, of 8 with Ben in scoring position, they're averaging right around a half a home run per game at home, by the way. As Sonny Gray, he was sure on the sunny side of this one. Seven scoreless innings, only three strikeouts, but kept the ball in the yard, and Jarrell Cotton gives up one run over the course of two innings. The Miami Marlins, they got one run fewer than the Cleveland Guardians. They lose by a count of 9-0 to the St. Louis Cardinals. Pablo Lopez, a rough start, giving up five runs in five innings, including a pair of home runs. Paul Goldschmidt gets his 19th home run season, and then Juan Yepes gets his 8th home run season off of him, and then he would go deep off of Richard Blyer for his 9th home run season. As Blyer gets up two runs over the course of his inning work at Tommy Nance, he gives up two runs in two innings as it was Mr. Adam Wainwright who was terrific in this one. Seven scoreless innings, did a lot of seven hits, but was able to evade Janger as Jake Woodford along James Nylay were both able to give you a scoreless inning, and then you had the Boston Red Sox wind up going to uh, Toronto and and north of the border, wound up getting crushed. 7-2 the final in this one. As for the Toronto Blue Jays, they did a really good job of folding down this Boston lineup. 1-7 of seven with men in scoring position. And Connor Siebold wound up getting the start. And Siebold allowed all seven runs in this game in four and two-thirds innings, including a trio of deep flies. As Matt Chapman is 11th home run season. Vlager Jr. is 18th. And George Springer is 14th. To the credit of the Boston Red Sox bullpen, not a bad showing. Asadez Viz, Ericazza Sarmora, and Salo Robles. I'll give you a scoreless setting in Tyler Danish. He was able to give you an out of the bullpen. Meanwhile, for Toronto, Kevin Gosman. Terrific start. He has a fielding independent that's nearly 1.5 points lower than his ERA. And he wound up having things all dialed in on this night. 10 strikeouts in 7 innings. No runs allowed. It was Sean Anderson 
who wound up giving up two runs in an inning as David Phelps. He was able to give you a scoreless inning as well, so it was a very good showing. And if you're taking a look at Major League Baseball in general, things have really been getting ironed out over the last 30 days with the bookmakers in total. Says they've been able to do a very solid job of being able to set these, as we know. It's very much an understart to the season now. Over the last 30 days, we have seen 198 overs, 187 unders. So that's right around 51.4% to the over, according to our good friends at Covers. And if you're looking at underdogs, been a little bit so-so for them. 247 and 157 is the record for favorites over the last 30 days. So underdogs hitting right, right around a 38.9% clip. And overall for the season, they've been hitting just a little bit better, but still has not been too terrific. Favorites. 656 and 438 straight up, hitting at a 60% clip. But favorites have had a tough time covering the run line, especially when they are at home. As home favorites, they are 411 and 287 straight up. That's about a 59% win rate. But when it comes to those 411 straight up wins, we've already found 129 instances this season where the win was by one run, so they were unable to cover the run line. And overall for the season, 534 unders to 504 overs. And it's 51.4% overall this season to the under. So that's what we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now. And that's what we wound up seeing on Monday. Now, let's take a look at the American League West and the American League playoff picture as a whole with our good friend Joe Fan over there at WinBet. That is coming up next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Craig Peterson, now a part of the Family Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps, in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com, or download the app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, 
elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to point game. King of the court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com, or download the app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. (laughs) Crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. (laughs) 
<laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast, and we've got a great guest on this podcast today. It's Joe Fan doing absolutely amazing work over there at win bet he does the podcast bet to win you're able to find that wherever you get this podcast and he is a man that used to be out there in the great city of seattle 
Now he's here with myself out here in Las Vegas taking a look at all things that we are getting in. Does a great job being able to cover baseball. And I know that this man is starting to get into some football as well, taking a look for the upcoming season. And to be able to follow Joe Fan on Twitter, that is at Joe underscore Fan. Two ends on the back half of Fan. And it is great to have you aboard, my friend. Thank you so much. Yeah, Greg. Thanks for having me back, man. Appreciate it. It is great to have you aboard. And Joe, I know that you are a man that is a fan of the Seattle Mariners. And I think we're both in agreement here. It's been a little bit disappointing this season, but I think it's going to be very curious to see how the Seattle Mariners wind up responding to what we wound up seeing on Sunday, because obviously there was that big brawl. We wound up seeing a bunch of guys getting thrown out of that game. There's going to be suspensions that are going to be coming down, and I'm sure that there's going to be appeals that wind up coming along with it. But what was your overall takeaway with what wound up happening on Sunday because prior to that, the Seattle Mariners had actually won five straight games. They were building a little bit of upper momentum, and I don't know whether this is going to be something that either fires them up or winds up hurting them a little bit. It'll hurt them a lot because they're a team that's already decimated by injuries. Missing Kyle Lewis, Jared Kelnick sent down, Mitch Haniger injured as well. They can't afford to lose guys, and the guys who got who are going to get suspended are J.P. Crawford and Jesse Winker, and they just not guys they can afford to lose. Um, they already feel like they're throwing out a minor league uh, lineup every night. So my overall takeaway is that I don't think it's a good thing for baseball. I don't look at that and ever say like, oh, man, this is going to be there. And maybe it is the rallying cry, but I just think the unwritten rules of baseball are just so stupid in general. And for me, I understand the Angels going with the mentality of intentional or not. You come near Mike Trout's head, there's going to be a message sent in return. Well, that message was sent to Julio Rodriguez, and they threw behind his upper back, lower head. That message was sent. It should have been done right there. And that was made, and there was warnings issued, and you know that should have been it. But Phil Nevin decided that wasn't it, and they were going to dot Jesse Winker as well. And if you look at the replay, Jesse Winker doesn't explode, doesn't charge the mound. He's looking at the umpire and saying, what are we doing here? And the umpire's first move was just pointing to first base. It wasn't, hey, Pitcher, you're gone. Andrew wants. See ya. That's what the Mariners dugout was looking for. That's what Jesse Winker was looking for. Then, of course, from there, the Angels dugout's chirping at Jesse Winker, and Jesse Winker blows his top. But it all could have been so easily avoided. It's just frustrating to me that it wasn't over after they decided to throw behind Julio Rodriguez. Yeah, that was certainly a very ugly situation. And I mean, it's just been interesting to look at both of those teams in general, by the way. I still have no idea why Rossio Iglesias wound up throwing out there a bunch of sunflower seeds. Now, that was the most random thing that I saw in the entire I fight. think he was upset that he got ejected because I think he <laughs> thought he was playing Peacemaker. And so when he was told he was ejected, he was pissed. And I, th- I think he was throwing all that at the umpires, not at the Mariners. I am going to throw these sunflower seeds that it's going to come nowhere near you guys in retaliation. So take that. But I thought that that was a little bit random. But just taking a look at both of those teams, because, I mean, I mean, we're going to call it what it is. The Houston Astros are going to run and hide with this division if it becomes anywhere near a sweat with the Houston Astros versus anyone else. We are all going to be very shocked. But I just take a look at the LA Angels. They've been on a rough run. As of right now, we don't know what wound up happening on Monday with either the Mariners or the Angels. As both wound up having home games that they were a mid-sized favorite. The Angels, they started out the year 10 games above 500. Things were going really well for them, and then they wind up hitting that 14-game losing streak. And then for the Seattle Mariners, things wouldn't be going too bad for this team if they wound up getting the same bullpen pitching as last year because we thought that these were a pair of teams that were going to be able to take strides forward. The Seattle Mariners this year, they just haven't been able to take those strides forward. And for the Angels, first 
40, 45 games a year, they were able to do so. They've just slid backwards as well. And I think that the commonality with both of these teams just has been bullpen pitching. Yeah, bullpen pitching with, you know, it's the Angels that's starting pitching as well. And with the Mariners, their starting rotation has been actually really good, especially of late. They're more than 20 starts in a row where a starter hasn't given up more than three runs. And through the first 20 games of that streak, they were 10 and 10. It's just inexcusable. The lineup hasn't been good enough. It's decimated with injuries. You've got minor leaguers and journeymen, and the fact that Justin Upton's playing every day is just an absolute sham. This roster was already too thin. That's on Jerry Depoto, and then Jesse Winker not being the guy that they thought he would be. Adam Frazier has been pedestrian, and then you talk about the injury. It's all been bad, and they have really struggled. They've gotten guys on base, but they have really struggled mightily to get the big hit. They're one of the worst teams in the league with runners in scoring position. That's been a huge part of it. And then, yeah, the bullpen regression has been egregious as well. Diego Castillo was unpitchable for the first two months of the season. Now he's turned it around and has been absolutely lights out over the course of the last couple weeks. Probably last 10 outings, he's been dynamite. But yeah, Paul Seawald has regressed. Drew Steckenrider isn't even in the league right now because he, he was so bad. Got injured right before the season started. Regardless, the bullpen, yeah, it just hasn't been good enough. Jerry Depoto didn't go out and get a lefty during the offseason. So for a long time, Anthony Mashevitz was the best lefty reliever in this bullpen. It's bad, yeah. And it's uh, to me, there's a lot of blame to go around. I do agree with you there. It certainly has been a little bit of a mess for the Seattle Mariners. It has been a mess for the LA Angels as well. We shall see if either of these teams are able to give chase with regards to perhaps that last wild card spot as we do Casey have Joe Sadler, Fan. that was the name I was looking for. Who's All right, I was wondering if it was he or Eric Swanson who wanted coming back because Swanson, whenever he's been out there, has actually been halfway decent. Yeah, he's been okay. He's, he's been pitching. He's been pretty good all year. Yeah, they're missing Casey, Casey Sadler. Sadler. Okay who got injured for the season. He's out for the year. He got hurt in spring training. Yeah, that has certainly set them behind the eight ball. But it's going to be interesting if either of those teams are going to be able to compete for a wild card spot as joining me on the podcast. We don't have Joe Fan because I take a look at the American League and I think that we're both in agreement on this one. The top two teams in the American League, they wound up doing battle over the weekend. The Astros and the Yankees. I think that they're a clear number one and number two. What winds up happening behind them, I think, is fascinating because out there in the American League Central, Right now, it's the Twins and the Guardians who are right now locked up in a series. These are the top two teams out there as the Chicago White Sox are currently quite a few games below 500. You take a look at the entirety of the American League East and you've got to figure that at least two of those teams are going to be able to get in for wildcard spots behind the New York Yankees. But I do take a look at this American League and I think that the real question becomes, who could be that number three team that perhaps could wind up having a good trade deadline, be able to get in the postseason and give themselves a shot in a best of seven slash a best of five against the Astros and the Yankees? Because I feel like head and shoulders, they proved it over the weekend. They're the best two teams out there in this league. Yeah, to me, it's either the Blue Jays or the Red Sox. I love the Blue Jays going into the season. The starting rotation has just been such a disappointment. Barrios is borderline unpitchable. I don't know how many times they can you say Kikuchi out there oh. every fifth day. You say Kikuchi, you got off to a nice start. It's been terrible. Gaussman now up over a three ERA where he was lights out for the first month of the season. He's been more pedestrian of late. It's really been Alec Manoa and a bunch of dudes who have struggled. Ryu before getting hurt was terrible. And now they've got Stripling in there. That's been a huge Achilles heel for them. And no matter how many runs they can score, you know, the opponent is able to light up the scoreboard as well because the pitching has just been so bad. But I think given what they're able to throw out top to bottom from a lineup standpoint, especially now that you look at Alejandro Kirk being arguably the best hitting catcher in all of baseball, to me, they're going to be a factor until they're eliminated from the playoffs just because 
there's just too much talent there. But, yeah, you look to them to certainly add an arm at some point before the deadline. And I also think that the Tampa Bay Rays are a team that we can never count out as well. They're going to have Shane Boz on the mound on Tuesday. And this is a really fascinating game because they're going to be going up against a Brewers team that they took two games from the Toronto Blue Jays, and it's going to be the return of Brandon Woodruff, who there were reports like two and a half weeks ago they had no feeling in the fingers in his throwing arm, which I don't know about you, but I don't want to be laying between minus 110 and minus 115, what I'm saying right now, on the Milwaukee Brewers, on a guy who two and a half to three weeks ago had no feelings in the fingers of his throwing arm against Shane Boz, who for the Tampa Bay Rays, has been relatively solid whenever he's been out there. Wanted to be getting the season on the injured list, but taking a look at him coming up through the minor league ranks, guy has been absolutely exceptional. But I just still take a look at this Rays team, and I think that this is now becoming a case that once again, because there have been a couple of injuries, they don't have as many home run hitters as they did last season. A lot of people are counting these guys out, and I think that it's just the same old song and dance at the Tampa Bay Rays, second half of the season. They're probably going to pick up a little bit of steam. They're going to do it with a bunch of guys that we've never heard of before, and they're going to wind up striking gold once again and find themselves in the playoffs. Yeah, they've got enough pitching to be a scary out in a wild card series or a divisional round. Shane Boz is only going to get better than Shane McClanahan already looks like one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. So they've got just a bevy of young arms, continue to have a loaded minor league system. Are they as good as they were last year? I don't know. Maybe. But yeah, they do have the young talent, certainly in the starting rotation. It should make them a tough out if they're able to get into the postseason. Yeah, no question about it. And if you're able to get Boz going along with who you mentioned, Shane McClanahan, whenever he's been healthy, as I think that he's currently on the injured list, Drew Rasmussen, he's been a nice addition to this rotation. Even Jeffrey Springs has been able to give this team some good starts. If they can just get a little bit of hitting, that is going to be a very fascinating team to look at moving forward, as we do have Joe Fan does a great job over there at the Bet to Win podcast with Win Bet. He is joining me right here on the podcast. And is there any games in particular, whether it be for Tuesday or just moving forward, that you're intrigued with, whether it be from a betting perspective or you just want to see a little bit more with these teams? Because now we've gotten to the point in which we've seen about 75 or so games with these teams. So we're getting up towards that halfway point. Is there anything that you're really going to be taking a look at for Tuesday or really the rest of the week in general that is really catching your eye? Yeah, the Red Sox-Blue Jays series, I think, is a big one. Who is that second team in the American League East? The Red Sox have been one of the best teams in baseball over the last couple of months, but it's wild to think that they're still more than 10 games back of the New York Yankees, who we all expect probably to sweep the Oakland A's to start this week off. That, to me, is the series of the week. I will be watching those two teams closely again. I am as high on the Blue Jays, and I refuse to jump off the bandwagon until until I am forced to. But yeah, until the pitching can show itself to stay, you know, stabilize even a little bit, they're going to have problems. But that lineup is just so fun. And like I mentioned, Alejandro Kirk has been such a star, potentially an all-star this year, given the lack of hitting catchers around the bigs. I'm in on them. And so I, it's like, there's a team I can't quit, and I've got futures on them and everything. But I'm very curious how they handle with the Red Sox at home here these next couple of days. Yep, and on Tuesday, it's going to be Michael Waka and Ross Stripling with the uh, Blue Jays finding themselves right around minus 135 to minus 140. And to your point about the pitching, right now we're seeing a total of 10 with the juice on the over. I think maybe we've went a little bit too far with that total with the way that Ross Stripling has actually been one of their more trustworthy starters. To this point, I trusted him more than Jose Barrios along with Yusei Kikuchi right now. To your point, I think that we might have went a little bit too far with regards to that total, but I do agree. I think with also, you. yeah, and then keep tabs on Astros Mets. Sorry to cut you off. I thought you were done. Oh, you're good. Cut you off, but I think in, you know interleague series Astros Mets 
we're talking power rankings, two teams in the top five and pretty much any power rankings you're going to find. To me, the Astros are the better team there, but I've loved what I've seen from the Mets so far. Pete Alonso, an MVP candidate. Francisco Lindor has had a better first half than we're accustomed to seeing from him, and he's usually a second-half guy. That is going to be a really fun matchup starting on Tuesday as well. Oh, no, I'm glad you chimed in with that because I am in total agreement with you. I mentioned it with the Houston Astros, a team that they wound up seeing their futures price get cut down a little bit. A lot of places, they were hanging this right around 8-1. to Now you're finding it more around plus 550 to plus 600. Typically, you don't wind up finding that after a team winds up splitting a series, but that's what winds up happening when you wind up coming pretty much two ninth slash tenth innings away from being able to take a four-game series from the New York Yankees. So they wind up having a very good showing, and the New York Mets, they've just been that steady eddy team out there in the National League. And a guy that just steadily puts out great content, a man that does a nice job covering a little bit of everything, that'd be you, Joe. You do an absolutely terrific work over there at WinBet. And on top of that, I know that you do the Bet to Win podcast, which people are able to find wherever you get this fine podcast. And I know you're going to be a very busy man these upcoming months taking a look at baseball and getting set for the football season. So let the good people at home know they're able to follow you on social media and everything that you got going on in general. Yeah, uh, on Twitter, at Joe, uh, Joe underscore fan. And then, uh, yeah, the Bet to Win podcast, as you mentioned. So appreciate you having me back, as always. Uh, always fun talking baseball with you, man. And Joe does an absolutely amazing job taking a look at a little bit of everything. He's joined me on this podcast a few times and brings it every single time. So big thanks to Joe for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time the podcast to give you fix it analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com, or download the app today. 
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com, or download the app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on top of that. that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from 
crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what so, I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Always a pleasure to get Joe Fan of the Bet to Win Podcast with WinBet. 
does an absolutely incredible job. A man that wanted to be getting his career out there in the wonderful city of Seattle. Now he's out here in Las Vegas with myself, so great to be able to get a little bit of insight on the American League West and just what to take a look at with regards to some of these big series this week. So big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at unit underscore 81, and we are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we wind up going with the National League games first, then the American League games, and any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy there, so you're going to have some fun with it, and we're going to be starting off with the DK Nation pick of 951-952 on the bang board. The Atlanta Braves. They throw out the phrasing off against the Philadelphia Phillies. Zach Whelan and Dylan Wheeler is going to be going for the Phils, and Charlie Morton is on the bump for the Braves. The Braves are finding themselves anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. And with the Phillies, you're going to be getting them anywhere between minus 108 and minus 115. Seven and a half to eight is your total on the eight. Under is minus 115. The over is minus 105 on the seven and a half. Over is minus 120. The under is even. DK Nation pick is on the Phillies. I want to make them more like a minus 150 favorite. I recognize that Bryce Harper is out of the fold for this Philadelphia Phillies team, and that means something, but I don't know why we've got this as pretty much an even-up game with the Philadelphia Phillies being at home and the way that Zach Whelan and Deal and Wheeler has been, you guessed it, Wheeling and Dealing at home. This guy is a 270-70 or this far this season. You throw out the first three starts of the season, which he was getting ramped up, and he's got closer to a two ERA, buck 49 at home this far this season. In seven starts, he has allowed seven earned runs. He's given up one home run, eight walks, and has a walks per nine rate of right around a 1.7. His strikeouts per nine rate is north of 10 at home. He's given up one home run in 42 and two-thirds innings with opponents hitting right around a buck 88 off of him. And for Charlie Morton, he's got a 484 ERA. He's posting up a 563 ERA on the road. He's given up 11 bombs and 74 and a third innings. This is a complete and under pitching mismatch. And for the Atlanta Braves, it certainly has been a bullpen that has been able to do a solid job. You've got A.J. Minter who's been able to come in, hold down the fourth for the team along with Jackson Stevens. But he's been regressing a little bit. Last three days, he's got north of four ERA. Jesse Chavez is a relatively okay bullpen piece. He's a little bit longer in the tooth. But last set appearances has yet to allow an earned run. So he's been able to hold down the fourth. But we saw it on Sunday. In a baseball, you can't trust in Kenley Jansen. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, their bullpen has actually gotten a little bit better. Sir Anthony Dominguez has a sub two ERA. I can't believe I'm saying that this bullpen isn't terrible, but Ray Canable, 325 ERA. Brad Hand has been able to do his job. So the Philadelphia Phillies are relatively secure in terms of their pitching. And even with Bryce Harper on the fold, you still have. Someone in Kyle Schwarber has been able to give you 21 home runs as far this season. The batting average, not necessarily there with him, but he's got a 340 on base. And then on top of that, you've got D.D. Gregorius, Alec Bohm, Nick Cassianos, Reese Hoskins, all in between about a 245 to a 262. And with Hoskins, he's been hitting nearly a 300 over the last three days. He's got 13 home runs as far this season. For the Atlanta Braves, this has been a team that has been able to go yard quite a bit. Austin Riley, 18 home runs. And Dansby Swanson, under the radar, he has been one of the best players in terms of war in all of baseball north of a 300 batting average, 13 home runs. He deserves a lot of flowers for what he's been able to do this season. Matt Olson, he's got right around a 350 on base. Marcelo Zuna has been able to provide 14 home runs, but Zach Wheeler has been just lights out at home thus far this season. Charlie Morton, I recognize that his last few starts have actually been halfway decent. He has now given up a combined two earned runs over his last 14 innings. One of those starts was against the Chicago Cubs, though, so that is a little bit of an issue. He's given up at least three runs, and now eight out of his last 13 starts, so I want to make in the 
Philly's a relatively sizable favorite in this spot. I do think that they're going to be able to get a little bit of offense going here. I set my total at a 7.7. I would rather have a 7.5 over rather than an 8 under personally, so I'm going to be taking a look at a 7.5 over, and with the Philadelphia Phillies, their money line is the DK Nation pick. 9.53, 9.54 on the banking board. The Pittsburgh Pirates then throw it to face off against the Washington Nationals as Patrick Corbin is going to be going for the Nats, and Jose Quintana is going to be on the bump for the Buccos. The Buccos are finding themselves as a little bit of an underdog between plus 103 and plus 112. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Washington, it's saying we're team minus 113 and minus 122 with 9.5 being your total. Under saying we're team minus 115 and minus 125. The over is anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105 and I just can't trust him. Patrick Corbin in this spot. I want to making the Pittsburgh Pirates the very slight favorite. With Patrick Corbin, he has made 15 starts thus far this season and the Washington Nationals they have been able to win out of all these starts three of them, and they have lost, I believe, 10 of these starts by multiple runs. It has been really, really bad for them. Patrick Corbin, 660 ERA. It goes down to a 587 at home, but, I mean, this guy is just getting banged around like a pinata right now. 322 opponent's batting average. He's getting right around 7.5 punch outs per 9 innings. The walks per 9 rate is a little bit north of 3. Not a lot of redeeming qualities there. And Jose Quintana's 1-4 record is a little bit deceiving. He's been a relatively solid pitcher. 315 ERA at home. On the road, it does wind up looting a little bit to a 444, but he's been able to keep the ball in the yard, giving up right in that pocket of about a home run per 9 innings. So he's been able to do a solid job there, right around three walks per nine. Nothing great, nothing terrible in the Pittsburgh Pirates. They don't back him up with necessarily the world's greatest bullpen, but David Pinara has been able to give you some good innings. Tyler Beatty as a long guy has been able to come in, hold down the fort. You really don't want much of a part of guys like a Heath Embry, who I don't think is going to be available for this game, Chris Stratton and company, but for the Pittsburgh Pirates, it's been going a little bit better for the Seamen. They've called up a couple young guys that they're hoping are going to be able to give them some production. Oniel Cruz last week wound up getting the call up and wound up having six RBI in his first series against the Chicago Cubs. Now, you have a couple guys that they need to pick it up with regards batting average. Josh Van Meter, Jax Wisniewski, you're able to throw in their Daniel Vogel back, Martin Perez. These guys are all hitting a 220 or lower, but you've been able to have some good production on Brian Reynolds hitting a 300 over the last three days. Double-digit amount of homers for him. Cabrian Ace, he's hitting a 260 for this team. And for the Washington Nationals, batting average is not necessarily the weak point of this team. Yadion Hernandez, Cesar Hernandez, Kiber Ruiz, Mikel Franco, throw in there Nelson Cruz. All these guys hitting between about a 252 and 270. Nelson Cruz hitting a 300 over the last three days. But Juan Soto, you just expected more out of him. He's hitting a 220. He's got the 14 home runs, but this guy was the front runner for an National League MVP coming into the season. He has not lived up to that. Luis Garcia has been able to get on base, and for the Washington Nationals, it's not like they back up Mr. Patrick Corbin with any sort of a bullpen whatsoever. Steve is right around a 5-ish ERA. Reed Garrett is someone I have no faith in whatsoever. Kyle Finnegan, he's got right around a 4-ish ERA as well, so it's not necessarily looking so great for the Washington Nationals. They just have not been able to perform whenever Patrick Corbin's been on the mound, so I'll gladly take a plus price here with Pittsburgh Pirates. Did wind up saying my total at an 8.9, because with the Nationals, they do get on base. They really don't have a lot of power outside of Josh Bell, and he's been dealing with a little bit of an ailment as well. Should be good to go in this one, but certainly is a little bit of a concern, and for the Pirates, they themselves won the bottom feeder offenses out there in baseball, so I'm going to be taking a look at the under to go along with the Pirates. 9.55, 9.56 on the bang board. The St. Louis Cardinals, they're going to be playing with the Miami Marlins. Braxton Garrett is going to be on the bump for Miami, and Dakota Hudson, he is on the bump for St. Louis. St. Louis 
is finding themselves a pretty good size favorite in this one. I'm seeing them as high as about a minus 165 in this spot, as low as a minus 151. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Miami, anywhere between plus 135 and plus 145 is your price. 8.5 is your total. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even a minus 110. And when it came to the fish, needed at least a plus 170 to be able to take a shot. And if you take a look at the run line of the St. Louis Cardinals, you're finding that in a lot of places right around about a plus 130. Needed at least a plus 120 to be able to pull the trigger, so we are well within range there with Dakota Hudson. Very much a pitch-to-contact guy, not going to wind up getting you a lot of strikeouts thus far this season. He's getting a strikeouts per nine rate that is hovering in that pocket of about five and a half, and the walks, that is an issue as well for walks per nine innings, and Braxton Garrett, whenever he wound up getting called up to the big leagues in past years, walks were a little bit of an issue for him, and he's been able to work on that a little bit. He's gotten 17 strikeouts in 17 and two-thirds innings, five walks, it's very passable. It's been a little bit of a small sample size thus far as he's only wound up making four starts this season. You go back to the 2021 season where he wound up making seven starts. Wound up having a 7.20 ERA on the road and the big bugaboo for him was those 20 walks in 34 innings. I do think that he's been able to rein it in a little bit more this season, but that is something to watch out for him for the Miami Marlins. It's been a little bit of a hit or miss offense for the team as Garrett Cooper has been able to hit a little bit above a 300 for the team, but the star guys for the team, Ode Soler, Avicio Garcia, Asu Sanchez, Brian De La Cruz, throwing there, Jacob Selling, all these guys in a 230 or lower, that's an issue. You do have Solaire being able to give you a double-digit amount of homers. You've had Jazz Chislam be able to go deep 14 times, but he wound up missing the game yesterday. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, this is an offense just loaded with firepowers. You've got Tommy Edmund, who's made it right around a 270 for this bunch. Juan Yapez a little bit closer to a 275. And with Edmund, you're able to throw in there another good base sealer in Harrison Bader. Both of these guys, 70-plus stolen bases thus far this season. Nolan Gorman, seen a little bit of regression. He and Dylan Carlson in between about a 245 to 250, but they've been relatively solid. And then Paul Goldschmidt, Need some consideration for National League MVP. Entered in yesterday with 18 homers, 62 RBI, hitting a 340. And then this is the St. Louis Cardinals bullpen that they've got the leg up as compared to the Miami Marlins as Lewis Head. He wound up entering into the month of June with a buck 13 ERA for the Miami Marlins that is down north of a six. Meanwhile, for the Cardinals, Junior Fernandez, ever since he wound up being reintroduced to the big league level, he has yet to give up an earned run as a little bit of a long guy. Giovanni Gallegos, Ryan Helsley, they've been able to do a good job with Helsley. Sub one ERA. Meanwhile, with the Miami Marlins, Anthony Bass has been able to do a solid job, but even some like a Tanner Scott has not been good. Cole Solzer, he is currently finding himself on the injured list, so this team has sort of had to mix and match, and they're not doing a very good job of being able to mix and match at this point. I do think that Dakota Hudson going to be able to do a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. Probably not going to lend a lot of length, but I think that the bullpen is going to wind up having his back. I do wind up seeing my total at an 8.6 as a result in this one, so here at the 8.5, I'm looking at the over, and with the St. Louis Cardinals, I do think that there's a good possibility that they wind up being able to light up Braxton Garrett in this one, along with getting to a bullpen of the Miami Marlins that has not been great. And for St. Louis, right around 60% of of their home games have wound up going over the total, which I think that allows them to have more of a possibility of being able to win this game by multiple runs. So looking at the Cardinals run line, laying run and half at a plus price, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total over. 957, 958 on the betting board. You've got these Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on to Cincinnati. And they're on to the road to face off against the Chicago Cubs as Keegan Thompson is going to be on the bump for the Cubbies. And Luis Castillo is going to be on the bump for Cincinnati. Cincinnati is finding themselves as a relatively small underdog in the spot. You're going to be finding them in between even money. I'm seeing as bad as minus 105. I'm seeing as good as a plus 102. And then with the Chicago Cubs, we're going to be finding them as a little bit of a favorite. Anywhere between minus 108 and minus 115. This is a total that 
It is presently off the board because with Wrigley Field, it is all about the wind where that winds up going, which is why you're probably not going to be finding a total until you wind up seeing this posted up in the AM. But right now, it looks like we are going to be finding the wind blowing out at right around 8-ish miles per hour during the game. It might wind up getting up to 10, but somewhere between 8 and 10 miles per hour. So as a result, I do wind up saying this total a little bit higher. 10 or less, I'm going to be looking at an over 10 and a half or higher. I'm going to be taking a look at an under. I'm seeing at one faraway place a total of eight, and I would certainly be willing to take a look at this over. I think that that might be a little bit of a typo on their part, but with that said, this is a situation in which, in terms of the money line, I did wind up saying the Cubs at a minus 116, so I'd be willing to lay all these numbers that we're finding available right now. You're not finding any run lines on this game, because when you have a run line, you need a total to go along with it as well, so I would be taking a look at the Cubs money line in this spot, because with Keegan Thompson, he's been able to do a relatively solid job this season. He did wind up having a couple of hiccup starts. He wound up having a bad one against the Baltimore Orioles, and then that wound up sort of manifesting itself against the New York Yankees. There's not a lot of concern when you wind up getting lit up by the New York Yankees, but you do take a look at him overall this year. A 310 ERA, 72 record. I don't necessarily look at the record itself, but ever since those bad starts, he's been able to bounce back. Last two starts, you can see Atlanta Braves and Pittsburgh Pirates combined one run surrendered over the course of 12 innings, and he's been able to do a solid job with regards to not giving out a ton of walks, right around three walks per nine innings, home runs per nine rate. That hovers right around the pocket of one, and he's been getting right around eight strikeouts per nine innings. Meanwhile, for Luis Castillo, he's always been a guy that has had some funky home and road splits, and as far as the season, he's actually been significantly better on the road than at home, so he has sort of been the opposite of what he's been throughout his entire career. He's been able to do a solid job keeping the ball in the yard, giving up right around 0.8 home runs per nine innings. Swing and miss stuff is down a little bit, right around eight and a half punch outs per nine innings, and the walks per nine rate. He's been able to rein it in a little bit more. Right around 3.4 walks per nine innings. That's not too bad for Luis Castillo, but he's backed up by a bullpen that is dead last in the big leagues in terms of ERA. And the Chicago Cubs, they shouldn't talk because while they're not dead last for the entirety of the season, you take a look at them over the last 30 days, their ERA is right around a six. These guys have been absolutely terrible. Scott Efres has really regressed. Rowan Wick has been a hot mess. Michael Givens now is north of a four ERA. So these guys have been terrible. The Cincinnati Reds bullpen, they have been terrible. Alexis Diaz is currently on the injured list for this team. Jeff Hoffman, one of the more reliable guys. He's on the injured list for this team. Revier St. Martin has north of a 10 ERA. Dottie Moretta, he's got a 70 ERA. Hunter Strickland, Art Warren. You can't trust in these guys. And when it comes to this Reds lineup, they have a lineup that has been able to mash a little bit. Now, big home and road discrepancies are averaging right around two runs per game fewer when they are on the road rather than at home. A lot of that is because a lot of their games in which they wound up struggling in, they wound up being on the road and then they wound up getting back a lot of their guys. Like a Joey Vato was on the COVID IL for quite a while. He's come back. He's been able to give the team a 350 on base ever since then. That has played a little bit into this brand of jury. 15 home runs. He's hitting right around 275 for this bunch, so he's been rock solid. Kyle Farmer, he's hitting right around 280 as well, but you do take a look at the Chicago Cubs team, and they don't necessarily have a lot of power bats. You've had Wilson Contreras along Patrick Wisdom be able to combine for 26 home runs thus far this season for the bunch, but you do take a look at what you're able to get overall out of this team, and I mean, you've got a lot of guys who are able to do a solid job of being able to get on base. Some like an Ian App has been able to provide right around a 375 on base. Wilson Contreras, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, just south of a 400 on base. So you've got a lot of 
guys have been able to come in. They've really been able to know their role. Even someone like an Eco Horner hitting a 280. That has been good. I think that you're going to see a battle of two really bad bullpens, but a pair of relatively solid starters. But I do think that with the wind blowing out, things wind up getting a little bit hairbrained. So, down or less, I'm going to be taking a look at this little over 10.5 or higher to the under. And I'm willing to lay up to a minus 116 here with the Chicago Cubs as we go 959, 960 on the bank board. The LA Dodgers say at the road to face off against the Colorado Rockies. This is Kyle Freeland. He is going to be on the bump for Colorado. And Clayton Kershaw is on the bump for the Dodgers. The Dodgers are finding themselves a sizable favorite. Anywhere to minus $2 and minus $210. Meanwhile, with Colorado, it's anywhere to plus 180 and plus 185. 11.5 is your total. Under is minus 120. The over is even. And with the Rockies, needing at least a plus 185 to be able to take a shot. We've gotten to a plus 185, so I am willing to take a shot with Kyle Friedland. He has been a little bit worse at home than he has been on the road this season. Posting up at 532 home year 8 to a 291 on the road, but I do think that he is going to be able to do a solid job of being able to keep the ball in the yard, giving up sub-1 home run per 9 innings thus far this season. He does have an opponent's batting average of right around 275, and in his one start this season against the LA Dodgers, did not wind up going well. He wound up giving up 5 runs over the course of 3 and 2 thirds innings, so that is a little bit worrisome with that regard, but last season in four starts against the Dodgers, had more like a 324 ERA. He has faced off against LA quite a bit, and has actually had quite a bit of success throughout his career, and then for Clayton Kershaw, he has been banged up throughout the entirety of this season, but when he's been out there, he's been able to do a good job. A 2 ERA, give it up 0.6 home runs per 9 innings, and the 1.4 walks per 9, that has been rather impressive as well. I do think that he's getting a little bit overvalued, though, at this point in his career, a little bit more fragile and unable to give you as much length as he could at the beginning of his career, seeing him go 6 strong against the Cincinnati Reds about a week or so ago. That's an encouraging sign for him, but that said, he's not getting as many swings and misses at this event age. Still able to give you right around 9.5 strikeouts per 9 innings, but this is a Colorado Rockies team that they have very well at home adding right around a 275 as a collective. And the bigger thing for the Rockies in the batting average, the power. They get right around 1.25 home runs per game at home. Just .6 when they're on the road. Like CJ Crone entered into Monday with 17 total home runs this far this season. 13 at home. Brendan Rodgers, all six of his home runs came at Coors Field. And with CJ Crone, it's right around 240 on the road. 340 at home. So you wind up seeing some big giant discrepancies there. And with the LA Dodgers, this is a bunch that they wanted coming off of Sunday Night Baseball, and then they had to travel to Colorado, so you have to wonder if there's going to be some lingering effects there, and with having Mookie Betts out of the fold, that does wind up hurting them a little bit. Now, you've got Gavin Lux hitting right around 285 for the team, and Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, they both entered into Monday hitting above 300, but you've got Max Muncy, Justin Turner, Cody Bellinger, all hitting below a 220 for the team. Trace Thompson is right now getting at best. I mean, shout out to him being the brother of Clay Thompson, but that's a tad bit of an issue, and for the LA Dodgers, it's been the less heralded guys that have subbed him in the bullpen. The former Rocky, Nancy Almonte, sub-2 ERA for him. Evan Phillips has been very good for the team. Alex Vesia, a sub-3-5 ERA. Meanwhile, Craig Kimbrell, not very trustworthy. North of a 4 ERA, Bruce Harder has been used up a ton recently. Phil Bickford, who was solved for them last year, he has up in that. And for the Colorado Rockies, this is a bullpen ERA that is in the bottom five in the big leagues. But a lot of these guys have actually been pitching significantly better at home than on the road. Some like Justin Lawrence, for example. He's got an ERA of 4 at home. Overall for the season, a 5.52. So on the road, that's closer to a 7. Lucas Gilbreth, he has been terrible on the road. Buck 64 ERA at home. Daniel Bard has been able to pitch really well at Colorado as well. So I do think that this is a spot in which the Rockies are going to be able to get some good pitching. I do think that Clayton Kershaw should be a relatively good size favorite, but I think that we 
went a little bit too far here, especially with Kershaw at a little bit more of an advanced age. I'm willing to take the plus 185. I'm seeing with the Colorado Rockies semi-total at a 10.7, so here at 11.5, looking under as well, 961-962 on the betting board. The Slam Diego Padres are going to be in the road face-off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Zach Gallen is going to be going for the Snakes, and Sean Manea is on the bump for the Padres. The Padres are finding themselves in between minus 113 and minus 117 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Arizona, find them as bad as minus 105, as good as plus 107. 7.5 is your total, seeing a couple of 8s out there as well. On the 8, under is minus 120, the over is even. On the 7.5, flip it. The over is minus 120, and the under is even. And when it comes to the Arizona Diamondbacks, Zach Gallen has been very good for the team all season long, allowing two earned runs or fewer in all but two of his starts thus far this season. And as a result, I did wind up making him the minus 112 favorite because with Sean Manea, we have seen him be all over the place with regards to his velocity. When his velocity is up in the low to mid-90s, he has been solid. When you wind up seeing it dip, he is very hittable. 3-3, three and three, 380, 70 ERA thus far this season for Sean Manea and just a bunch of uneven performances. He's actually got a little bit of a better ERA on the road than he does at home, which makes no sense because San Diego, very much a pitcher-friendly ballpark, has given up 11 home runs at 79 innings thus far this season, and the command has been a little bit whack as well. He's been giving up a little bit over three blocks per nine innings, so you do have some worrisome, I guess you could call it concerns there, and you do have an Arizona Diamondbacks team that, when it comes to the batting average, it is just not good with this bunch. They're inning as a collective right around a 215, but you do have some power with regards to this team. Now, do note that with the Arizona Diamondbacks, they're in the top five in the league in terms of home runs per game on the road. At home, they're averaging right around one home run per contest, which that doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense either. Christian Walker, 19 bombs, but he's hitting just a 206 this far this season. Dalton Varsho has went deep 10 times, but just twice over the last 30 days. He's hitting about a 240 for the team. Getting back, you tell Marte of the Marte Parte is back right around a 350 on base, and then Alec Thomas, he's hitting a 265 for the team, but guys like a Jordan Luplo has not been able to do much. Geraldo Perdomo is hitting right around the Mendoza line of 200. The catcher spot in general has been a hot mess for them, and for the San Diego Padres, missing Manny Machado. That has been hurting them quite a bit. You do have guys that are still able to get on base for the team. No, Mazar has been seeing more at-bats. He's been hitting right around a 300 for the team. Eric Cosmer, Jorge Alfaro, they're in that pocket about a 280, and then you've also got Jake Cronenworth, Jose Azucar, Jerickson Profar, between a 242-0250 between them, but Manny Machado, only guy on the team with 9-plus home runs with him currently dealing with injury. That does lead to a little bit of power outage with regards to Padres. Now, I will say, for the Padres, they actually lead the big leagues in terms of runs scored per game on the road, which that doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense to me, but I do think that Gallon is going to be able to hold them down with regards to both of these bullpens. They both do have some worry marks with the San Diego Padres. Taylor Rogers has been able to do a relatively solid job as a closer of this team. Sub-3 ERA, 20-plus saves, so he's been able to do his part. And about Christmas, it's something like he's got a sub-2 ERA, but Craig Salmon could be a little bit all over the place at his advanced age. Luis Garcia posting up right around a 3-ish ERA. Not great, not terrible. And then for the years of the Diamondbacks, Joe Manatipoli. Sub-2 ERA for the team along with Kyle Nelson. When you do wind up getting into guys like AJB, Wendell, Ken, Mark Melanson, though, they have not been able to hold down the fourth for the team. So I did wind up making it a... Uh, line in which I will, am willing to actually lay a small price with the Arizona Diamondbacks, so I'm going to be willing to take them, especially getting a little bit of a plus price. I did wind up also setting my total more around an 8.2, which is the way that the San Diego Padres have been able to barrel up on the road, even though you do have an Arizona Diamondbacks team that has played right around two-thirds of their games to the under best home under rate in the big leagues for Arizona, but I do think that Gallon has been beginning to look a little bit mortal here, so looking at the over and looking at Arizona. Now we wind up going to our double dip, 963, 964, Going to be in conjecture with 969, 970 on the betting board. The Minnesota Twins and Cleveland Guardians are going to be playing a pair 
Both of these games do not currently have numbers on them. It is going to be Devin Speltzer and Zach Plesak going at it in Game 1. Plesak for the Guardians and Devin Speltzer for Minnesota. And then in Game 2, the Windy Man, Josh Winder, is going to be going for the Minnesota Twins. And for the Guardians, it's looking like we're going to get Connor Pilkington, but and it's to be determined. And like I said, no numbers up on either of these games. But Mr. Greg Peterson, he's got his handicap. We're going to start with Game 1 first, and then we'll get into Game 2 in a minute. I want to thank Zach Plesak and company as a minus 115 favorite with the Guardians, 8.5 or less. I'm going to be taking a look at an over, a 9 or higher to the under with the Cleveland Guardians. This has been a bunch that they lack power, especially at home. They're in the bottom five of the big leagues in terms of home runs per game at home, but got a guy in Jose Ramirez who has been just such a good table setter for this team as he has been able to pound out 16-plus home runs, 60-plus RBI, hitting a 300 for this bunch, and a lot of his home runs, they are not solo home runs. They're more like two or three run shots because the guys in front of them have been able to get on base. As you've got Steven Kwan, Amid Rosario, Josh Naylor, Oscar Gonzalez, all hitting between about a 275 to a 300, and then Andres He's been able to hit above a 300. Owen Miller, he's been hitting more in that pocket of a 260. So it's been a very formidable lineup. And for the Minnesota Twins, on the flip side, you've got Byron Buxton, who has really been able to fire on all cylinders, getting a home run every 10 and a half or so at bats. Wanted to deal with a little bit of ailment in May. He looks to be back to his old self, and then got a lot of guys behind him there, able to get on base. Nick Gordon, Max Kepler, along Gio Rochelle, hitting between about a 245 to 260, and Luis Arias, he's been able to 350. Carlos Correa, power numbers have been down this season, but he's still been able to get on base. He's hitting right in that neighborhood of about a 300, and then when it comes to both of these bullpens, I do wind up giving a little bit more of a leg up to the Cleveland Guardians, because you do have Emmanuel Classe, the best closer in this one, as he's throwing over 100 miles per hour, and then on top of that, you've got a couple guys that are relatively trustworthy for the team, even with Nick Sandlin being on the injured list, Anya de Los Santos has posted up a sub-3 ERA, Sam Antigis, Eli Morgan, they're both right around that two pocket, and then with the Minnesota Twins, Emilio Pagan has been showing some signs of regression, jo- Joe Smith after he wound up going through like the middle of May without giving up a single earned run, it has not been going well for him recently, he's gotten north of a 5 ERA over the last 35 days, we've also got a guy in Yohan Duran, who currently leads the big leagues in terms of pitches thrown at 100 plus miles per hour, but Caleb Theobar, he's got right around a 6 ERA, so hard to have a lot of faith in him, and then you take a look at the starters in this one, Zach Fleasack, along Devin Spelzer. Both of these guys are very much pitch-to-contact guys, as I know Smeltzer, four and a half strikeouts per nine innings. Please sack more around six strikeouts per nine innings. Both of these guys do a great job with command. You got right in the neighborhood about two to 2.2 walks per nine innings out of both of these gentlemen. And you know what? Both of these gentlemen, they're both giving up right around, I would say, about 1.5 home runs per nine innings. So very comparable there. Only difference is Zach Plesak. He's got right around a 4-2 ERA. Devin Smeltzer is more around a 3-2 with Plesak. He's been much better at home, though. 334 home ERA, road ERA. That is more around a 493. And with him giving up similar numbers in terms of hard contact at home versus on the road. And then you take a look at Devin Spelzer with regards to his home on the road splits. Buck 50 home ERA, 487 road ERA because he has been giving up a little bit more hard contact on the road rather than at home. Opponents are a buck 48 off of him in Minnesota, 300 on the road. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of positive progression to that batting average on the road. But with that said, in game number one, I did wind up making Plesek a minus 115 favorite, eight after less looking over, nine or higher to the under. And we're just going to go to game two because you're going to have a lot of these same lineups with regards to batting. But I do think that it's going to be Connor Pilkington, who's going to be going for the Cleveland Guardians, was a little bit of a standout at Mississippi State. But 
He is someone that has been sort of teeter-tottering between going from the minor leagues to the big leagues. And whenever he's been up at the show, he's made five starts thus far this season, eight total appearances. It's not been bad for this team. The command is a little bit all over the place. Right around five blocks per nine innings, but he's given up just one home run. Strikeouts per nine rate that hovers in the neighborhood about nine. So he's been able to do a very solid job of being able to hold down the fort with that regard. And then you do take a look at the flip side, what you're going to be able to get out of Josh Winder. And Winder has been someone that has relied upon command. So a little bit of the opposite, right around two and a half to three walks per nine innings. Now, he did wind up giving up four walks at 29 in the third innings when he wound up getting called up to the big leagues. This is going to be his first start at the show since the middle of May. I believe that May 17th is the last time that he wound up showing a big league rubber. And when he was at the minor league level, was not a guy that wound up getting a whole bunch of strikeouts, but a guy that did a good job with command. He was showing that sort of at the big league level a little bit earlier this season as well. So I do expect that to be the case with him once again. But I do wind up giving a little bit more of a leg up once again to the home team in the Cleveland Guardians, a team that they do a little bit better job of being able to get on base in general. That could wind up knocking out Winder in this game a little bit earlier with it being Pilkington against Winder. Wound up setting the Guardians at a minus 123, nine or less. Going to be taking a look at an over nine and a half higher to the under. So hopefully I kept that all nicely clean and easy. 965, 966 on the betting board. You've got the New York Yankees here going to be playing also the Oakland A's. One, Frankie Montas is going to be going for Oakland. And J.P. Sears, a little bit of a late addition for the New York Yankees. It was looking like it was going to be Jamison Tyon with this switcheroonie. This is a game that's currently off the board, but the book of Greg Peterson has a handicap for you as I wound up saying the Yankees here at a minus 186, and I'm willing to lay up to a minus 105 on the run line with them, and it is a situation in which a 7.5 or less, I'm going to be taking a look at the over, and an 8 or higher, I'd be taking a look at an under. Well, Frankie Montas, he has actually pitched really well this year. Talk about a guy that doesn't deserve a 3-7 and seven record, 3.21 ERA, his strikeouts per 9 rate, that hovers right in the neighborhood of about 9.5-ish. He's been giving up 2.2 walks per 9 innings. He's given up 9 home runs overall and just 2 on the road now. That's because out of his 15 starts, just 4 of them have wound up coming on the road, which is why he's got some demonstrative home and road splits, but that said, he's been able to do a relatively solid job all season long. J.P. Sears, the pride of the Citadel is going to be making his second start of the season. Last time he wound up starting was about a month or so ago. He wound up going up against the Baltimore Orioles and was actually very good in that start. He wound up pitching five scoreless settings. And when it comes to J.P. Sears, he's gotten a little bit of a cup of coffee up there at the big league level because he did wind up also making some minor league appearances as well. He's going to be backed up by a really good bullpen. Clay Holmes has posted up a sub-buck 50 ERA thus far this season. Wani Peralta, he's been able to do a great job. Lucas Lukey, after he wound up having a little bit of a rough go of it to begin the season, he has really been able to fire on all cylinders as well. But with J.P. Sears, you take a look at what he was able to do at the AA and AAA level the last few seasons because it's hard for me to really take too much out of what he wound up doing while he was with the Citadel. And it's rather impressive as he's been able to fire a buck 83 ERA. He, at the minor league play level, gave up just 1.4 walks per nine innings. He was getting 11.5 strikeouts per nine innings during the 2021 season. That was more like 12 punch-outs per nine innings between the AA and the AAA level. A guy that has proven that he's able to keep the ball in the yard. So, J.P. Sears, one of the better prospects in the Yankees organization. I think that he's going to be in for a relatively good start. And on top of that, he's going to be facing off against an Oakland A's team that I recognize that they were able to bust out with the bats yesterday. They were able to put up five runs in the third inning yesterday. But, that said, you take a look at this Oakland A's team and you really don't have a single guy in the roster that's hitting above a 245 right now, Ramon Laureano. He's got right around a 330 on base. Elvis Andrews, he has really fallen off since his time at Texas as you've got Chad Pinder throwing there, Christian 
Bethancourt, Loriano, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, and Sheldon Noisy, in between about a 232 to a 245. You've got Seth Brown, who's been able to give you 10 home runs. He's the only guy that really has above eight, or the same for the New York Yankees. You've got John Carlos Stanton, who's been able to go deep 18 times. He went deep yesterday. You've had Gleyber Torres be able to give you double digit amount of bombs. He's sitting right around 250. Anthony Rizzo, just a 222 batting average, but more like a 335 on base. 20 bombs. Aaron Judge, right now, the odds on favorite to be able to win MVP. He's hitting nearly a 300. He's been able to provide those 28 home runs. TJ LeMayu, Isaiah Canera Falefa, Jose Trevino, all these guys are doing a solid job. I'll be able to get it on base. And for the Oakland A's, the bullpen has been a worrisome spot for the team. Sam Ball, AJ Puck, both of these guys posting up sub-3 ERAs. And Domingo Acevedo has been a little bit up and down. He's been halfway decent for the team. But Danny Jimenez is currently on the injured list after he won experiencing a little bit of a fall. They've been utilizing Adam Aller out of the bullpen. He's got overall between the starts and his relief appearances right around a 9-ish ERA as well. So, I mean, I think that Frankie Montas could wind up going out there, do his part, lend seven strong innings, and then from there, the... Oakland A's bullpen just shoots this thing straight down the toilet bowl. So I do wind up saying the Yankees, even with a younger guy, J.P. Sears, on the mound, a minus 186 favorite on the money line, minus 106 on laying around and a half on the run line, and seven and a half or less looking over eight or higher to the under. 967, 968 on the bang board. The Toronto Blue Jays, they're going to be playing those the Boston Red Sox. Michael Waka is going to be going for the Sox, and Ross Stripling is going to be on the bump for Toronto. Toronto is between a minus 132 and minus 145 favorite. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Boston, you're going to be find them in between plus 122 and plus 131. 9.5 to 10 is your total on the 9.5 over minus 120. The unders even on the 10 over and under any routine minus 105 and minus 115 and needed at least a plus 127 to be able to take a shot on Boston. Right now I'm seeing some plus 128, some plus 130. So I'm going to be willing to take Boston here with Ross Tripling. He's actually been able to do a solid job ever since he wound up going from being a little bit more of a long reliever to being in the starting rotation. And at this point, I've got more faith in him rather than Mr. Jose Barrios. They're in their Yusei Kikuchi as well as those guys have not necessarily been able to do a great job for the Blue Jays. And with the Blue Jays, they don't back them up with a very good bullpen. Trevor Richards currently on the injured list, I will say. You've been able to have some good innings out of Tim Mesa recently. Adam Simber, though he's had his ups and downs, I do think that he's going to be able to come out. He's going to be able to give the team some good innings moving forward as well. David Phelps, he's been able to post up a sub-3 ERA even though he wound up having a little bit of a rough weekend of his own. But with Ross Stripling posting up in the neighborhood about a 3 ERA, big thing with him is that he keeps the ball in the yard right around a half home run per nine innings rendered in. Home and road splits, very equal. 304 home ERA, 310 road ERA. He has overall only been giving up right around two walks per nine innings as well. So he's been able to do a good job holding it down there right around seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings. And Michael Walker, he's been a relatively similar guy, giving up a few more home runs as he's allowing about a home run per nine innings. But he also winds up getting right around six and a half to seven strikeouts per nine innings. His walks per nine more in the neighborhood about two and a half. But take a look at the way that Walker has been able to perform on the road. Not quite the same as at home, but still a 327 road ERA. You're certainly going to take that. He has made six starts thus far this season on the road and he's given up four home runs in 33 innings with opponents saying at 218 off of him. So that is certainly passable. And He's already made a start this season against the Toronto Blue Jays. Wound up going six innings, gave up one run, so he was able to do a rock solid job there. Now with the Boston Red Sox, they've got a little bit of a leg up in terms of the bullpen. I don't think that's necessarily too significant of a leg up, but Austin Davis has been able to come in. He's been able to give the team right around a 2-5-ish ERA ever since coming off the injured list. Ansel Robles has been a little bit rough for the team, but John Schreiber, he's posted up a sub-2 ERA at Akaza Sadamora. Has been rock solid, 3-ish ERA, Tanner Houck. He's really been able to find his own as well. And then when it comes to the Boston Red Sox lineup, you've got that just fearsome foursome 
of Jaron Duran, J.D. Martinez, Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts. All these guys entered into Monday hitting at least a 300 for this bunch. So it's been very incredible to take a look at along with Rafael Devers, 17 home runs going into Monday. Now Trevor Story needs to pick it up a little bit, hitting just a 225 with 11 homers. He has been able to supply 50 RBI, so he's been able to come up in some clutch spots, do a relatively solid job there. But guys like Franchi Cordero at the bottom of the lineup, the catcher spot in general with Christian Vasquez not out there. A little bit of a worry spot in for the Toronto Blue Jays. Catcher spot has not been a worry for them as Alejandro Kirk is one of the best hitting catchers out there in the big leagues. Hey, Oscar Hernandez since coming off the injured list, hitting well above a 300. And then at the top of the fold, Bo Bichette, Vlad Guerrero Jr., George Springer, all in between about a 255 to a 270. Vladdy has been able to go deep 18 times. Springer's up to 14 home runs, double-digit amount of bombs out of Bo Bichette as well. And then Lourdes Gurriel has been able to get on base. He's hitting a 280. Santiago Espinal has been a little bit up and down in Kevon Biggio. Not providing a lot of batting average, but did wind up having home run in that series against the Milwaukee Brewers. 360 on base for him. I do think that both of these starters are going to be relatively solid before the bullpens are not necessarily so terrific, but I think that the 10-year is a little bit too high in terms of the total. I set mine at a 9.3 with the way that Stripling and Waka have been a little bit underrated this year, so I'm going to be taking a look at an under in this spot. And when it comes to the Boston Red Sox, was willing to take anything of a plus 127 or greater, so we're looking Sox, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total under 969-970. Was a part of that Cleveland versus Minnesota double dip, so we go to 971-972 on the betting board. The Walker Texas Rangers at the red faceoff against the Kansas City Royals. John Heasley is going to be going for the Royals, and 55 Shades of John Gray is on the bump for Texas. Texas is back to a favorite anywhere between minus 140 and minus 145. Between plus 125 and plus 130 is your price on Kansas City. 8.5 to 9 is your total on the 8.5. Over is minus 120. The under is even on the 9. Under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. With Mr. Heasley, he has not been too trustworthy, and that is why I wound up making my total a 9.2. So I'm going to be taking a look at this total over and for the Kansas City Royals, another bad start from Chris with a K. Boobich yesterday. Winds up having this team diving into the bullpen. With that said, the Walker Texas Rangers, they didn't necessarily get what they wanted out of Martin Perez either. So that winds up putting both of these teams behind the eight ball a little bit. But with Texas, you've got a little bit more assurance with this bullpen. The Royals, they entered into Monday with the league's worst bullpen in terms of ERAs. You've had a bunch of guys like a Taylor Clark, Amir Garrett, posting up north of five ERAs. I will say that Scott Perlow has a sub-2 ERA. Josh Jamon has been able to pick it up a little bit. But hard to have faith in guys like Jose Cuas and company. And then when it comes to the Texas Rangers bullpen, it entered into Monday 10th in the big leagues in terms of ERA. Brock Burke has been able to give you a sub-2 ERA. Matt Moore right around a 2-2 ERA. You've even been able to get some good innings out of Dan and Santana. Sub-2 ERA. Joe Barlow, he's got a sub-3 ERA. So you're able to trust in those guys. And for the Texas Rangers, you've been able to have quite a few guys towards the middle of the fold like Leone Tavares, Jonah Heim, Adolis Garcia. In between about a 250 to a 265 Adolis Garcia over the last three days. Hitting above a 300. He's been able to go deep nine times in that span. Now Corey Seager, Mark Simeon, they're in between about a 225 to a 230, which are Culberson hitting more like a 235. But with Corey Seager, he has been able to go deep 15 times this far this season. And for the Kansas City Royals, it's been a little bit rough with regards to this offense. They were able to get to Martin Perez, very uncharacteristic of Perez yesterday. But with that said, it's really been all about Andrew Benatendi. He's been able to 300, I will say, and all Barris in a very small sample size has actually been good since coming off the injured list. He's pretty much had four games since coming off the IL. He's already been able to give the team multiple homers. He has been able to do a good job of being able to get on base, hitting above a 300 overall this season. Then you do have Bobby Wood Jr., Hunter Dozier, in between about a 245 to a 255, but Whit Merrifield sitting right around a 235 for the season. MJ Melendez is hitting a 230. Salvador Perez is currently banged up, so hard to have a lot of faith in this Kansas City Royals team. And for John Gray, throughout his career, when he's been away from Colorado, 
because he began his career with the Rockies. He's got right around a 4-5-ish ERA, and then on the flip side, John Easley, command has really been eluding him as this is a guy that overall this season has been posting up a walks per nine rate that is hovering right in that neighborhood about 4.7, 22 walks and 41 and a third innings. He's been giving up in the neighborhood about one and a half home runs per nine innings as well. You take a look at what John Easley has done at all, man. He's got a three ERA compared to a 501 on the road. That's a little bit better. And I will say for John Easley, last few starts, he has been able to buckle down in terms of the walks a little bit more as he's given up a combined four walks over the course of his last three starts, but still. He's given up three plus runs in pretty much all but three of his starts thus far this season. And for John Gray, he's starting to really rein it in with regards to the swing and miss stuff. In the neighborhood, about 10 strikeouts per nine innings. He has allowed two runs or fewer in four out of his last five starts. I do think that the Rangers should be a little bit of a favorite here. If you're taking a look at the run line of the Texas Rangers, you're currently finding it anywhere between about a plus 115 to a plus 120. That's just not enough for me to be able to take a shot. I was willing to take a run and half with the Kansas City Royals because I need north of a plus 135 to be able I'll take a look at them on the money line, and we are just not there. I was willing to take them getting a run and half at a minus 133 or less. I'm seeing right now minus 133 across the board, so that would be my look at this current time. Now, I would want to see if we could wind up getting perhaps a plus 135 before I would wind up firing in on that Kansas City Royals plus one and a half run line, but with the Texas Rangers, they've been a little bit all over the place in terms of their offense. Bobby Witt Jr., he's been able to drive in some runs recently for the Kansas City Royals, so at current numbers, I'd be taking a look at the Kansas City Royals getting a run and half, laying a minus 133 on that and with regards to the total set it at a 9.2 so we'll be looking at the over as well 973 974 on the betting board the Chicago White Sox they're in the road they're facing off against the LA Angels the LA Angels have yet to decide who's going to be starting for them meanwhile it is going to be Johnny Cueto who's going to be on the bump for the White Sox so this is a game that is presently off the board right now the speculation according to fan graphs is that Kenny Rosenberg is going to be getting a start we have no earthly idea if this is going to be the case at all but if it is something like Kenny Rosenberg along with a bullpen game, something of that neighborhood. It would be a relative pick-up for me. I made Rosenberg versus Johnny Cueto, a spot in which the Angels were a minus 104 and a 9 or less. I'd be looking at an over 9.5 or higher to the under. Would be relatively similar if it winds up being a bullpen game, and if it is Mr. Rosenberg, he's probably not going to be going too deep, and it is an Angels bullpen that we're going to call it what it is. It's not necessarily too terrific, as your 7th through ninth inning guys, Aaron Loop, Ryan Tapera, Rossio Iglesias, all these guys have been posting up an ERA of a 3-9 or greater, so and has been far from terrific. It's really been guys like Andrew Watts who have been some of the best bullpen pieces. He and Jose Quijada have been able to post better than a 3.25 ERA, and for them, that's actually really sinking good. And for the Chicago White Sox, with having Liam Hendricks currently on the injured list, this is a bullpen that you want no part of whatsoever. Joe Kelly has been posting up north of an 8 ERA. You've got a guy in Tanner Banks who's been able to give you right around a 3.55 ERA, and he's become one of your more trustworthy guys along Jimmy Lambert and Davis Martin. Failed starters were posting up between about a 3.5 to a 4 3 ERA. Matt Foster is north of a 5 ERA. And then take a look at Johnny Cueto, and he's actually come up and he's been able to do a very solid job of being able to start for this team. He wanted making one weird long relief appearance in which he wanted giving up three runs to five innings against the Texas Rangers. But as primarily a starter, he's been able to give you in the neighborhood about a 3 ERA, and he's made four road starts this year of 
Buck 08 ERA with opponents saying a 195 off of him. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of negative regression, especially going up against an LA Angels lineup that you've got Mike Trout and Shoei Otani. And with Mr. Otani, he, coupled with Jared Walsh, have been able to do a good job both hitting right around at 260. A combined 29 home runs entering into Monday with Mike Trout. He needs no introduction. Right around a 380 on base, 22 home runs. Here. The Ward is coming off the injured list. He's got 11 home runs at 187 at-bats. He's hitting above a three. Bottom of the fold with guys like Max Stassi, Andrew Velasquez. You're able to throw in there Jack Mayfield whenever he winds up getting at-bats as well. That's been a little bit rough. And for the Chicago White Sox, maybe deal with some injuries. Daniel Mendick along with Adam Engel. They wound up getting hurt towards back half of that series against the Toronto Blue Jays. Yoel Moncada is back on the injured list. But you do have a pair of guys, Jose Abreu, A.J. Pollock, that after rough starts of the season, they've hit at least a 300 over the last three days. Luis Robert is hitting just below a 300 double digit amount of stolen bases then and Andrew Vaughn, Tim Anderson, they don't provide a lot of power. Both of these guys entered into Monday, hitting at least a 315 for this team. You got a couple of less than trustworthy guys, but the backup catcher and Sebi Savala, who's been filling in for Yasmani Grandal, has actually been able to ride around at 290 in limited appearances, so he's been able to do a rock-solid job there. I do think that Johnny Cueto is going to come out, going to be able to give a relatively okay start. I do think that he's doing for a little bit of negative regression if it does wind up being Rosenberg because this is just completely unconfirmed, which is why I'm not giving you too much on him right now, and even if he does wind up going, you can't think that he's going to wind up giving you a bunch of innings. This would be a relative pick game in which I'd be setting the Angels as minus 104, and 9 or less would be looking over 9.5 or higher to the under. 975-976 on the betting board. The Baltimore Orioles set the road to face off against the Seattle Mariners. Robbie Ray is going to be going for the M's, and Dean Kremer is going to be on the bump for Baltimore. Your total on scheme is 7.5 over and under, anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115 for Seattle. They are anywhere between minus 170 and minus 180 favorites. Meanwhile, and between plus 155 and plus 160 is your price on Baltimore. And with Robbie Ray and company, I did wind up saying the Mariners at a minus 185. And if you're taking a look at the run line in this game, you're finding Seattle anywhere between a plus 120 to a plus 125. I'm going to be willing to take that. Now with Baltimore, they do have the best run line record in the big leagues thus far this season. But I do have my trepidations with Dean Kramer. Prior to his recent outburst, the team was 3-15 and all time in his first 18 starts. And Kramer has come up and he's actually looked halfway decent for this team. I've been a little bit surprised by that. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of negative regression. He's not much of a swing and miss guy. 14 strikeouts and 21 innings thus far this season. He's really been able to lock in on the command as you take a look at what he wound up doing during the 2021 season and he wound up giving out a walks per nine rate of right around about a 4.1 thus far this season. That has lowered as he has given up five walks in 21 innings. So give him some credit there. And in two starts on the road, he's given up just one earned run, two runs in total over the course of 10 and two-thirds innings, but I don't have a lot of faith that that's going to be able to keep up now. The one thing that you've got with the Baltimore Orioles is that is that a bullpen that is in the top six in terms of ERA, and you've currently got five different guys that have posted up an ERA of a 2-1 or better, Dylan Tate, Felix Batista, you're able to throw in there Ore Lopez, Ciano Perez, and Nick Vespi, and then on top of that, Keegan Aiken. Long guy's been able to post up right around a 2.50 ERA as well, but I do think that Kramer going to be able to put this team in a little bit of a sticky spot, and then for Robbie Ray, it's all been about the blow-up inning with him. If you take out his worst inning of every start, he's got like a 1 ERA, but he just has 1 inning every single start, in which it winds up just completely going down the toilet bowl, but 
Last three starts, he's given up a combined two runs over the course of 20 innings. He's been able to keep the ball in the yard, which is big for him because he's always had home run issues, giving up 1.4 home runs and 3.1 walks per nine innings thus far this season. Swing and miss stuff is still there, right around 9.6 strikeouts per nine innings. And he's been significantly better in Seattle versus on the road. 284 home area, 524 road area. And the big reason why is because during the nighttime, it's hard to be able to hit home runs in Seattle with just the way that the air is a little bit heavier. He's given up four bombs and 44 and a third innings at home. 10 bombs and 46 and a third innings on the road. And for Seattle, it is a little bit of a worry spot. This, this bullpen is not necessarily too terrific. We talked about that with Joe Fan in the previous segment. Diego Casillo has a massive regression, posting up nearly a 5 ERA. Drew Seconrider so bad they got DFA'd, but Eric Swanson has been able to post up a sub-2 ERA. Pat Murphy has been able to do a really good job for the team right around a buck 63 is his ERA, but Andres Munoz seems to give you a little bit more. And you do take a look at this Baltimore Orioles lineup and Got a tree of guys. They'll be able to do a solid job. It'll be a reach base for the team. Austin to say his kid, Trey Boom Boom Mancini, along with Ryan Mountcastle, all entered into Monday hitting at least a 271. But the bottom of the full, guys like Rune Odor, Ode Mateo, Jonathan Arus, these guys have not necessarily been able to do a terrific job. Cedric Mullins, 16 stolen bases, has been terrific. And Ode Mateo, who I mentioned, doesn't have a great batting average. When he gets on, he's a speedster. 19 stolen bases. And yeah, another speedster in Julio Rodriguez with 19 stolen bases on the flip side for Seattle. They are currently dealing with Ty France, dealing with an injury. He's sitting above 300. That's an issue, but J.P. Crawford, along with Mr. Julio Rodriguez, in between about a 265 to a 270. J.P. Crawford has been in an almighty funk the last three weeks, so that is something to note. And then the bottom of the fold, guys like Adam Frazier, Dylan Moore, Justin Upton, Cal Raleigh, list goes on and on of guys. You get 225 or lower. You're able to throw in there even someone like an Abraham Toro. That's been a little bit rough. And Eugenio Suarez, right around 320 on base, 13 home runs. He's been really the main form of power for Seattle, so I do think that it's going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game, but I do think that Dean Kramer gets lit up. I think that Robbie Ray is going to see a little bit of regression from the outbursts that we've been seeing recently, but I'm willing to set my total at an 8.2. I think that we went a little bit too low on this one. I'm going to be taking a look at the over, and with Seattle, I do think that they're going to be able to get to Kramer in this spot. I'm willing to take them on the run line. 977, 978 on the bank board. The Tampa Bay Rays are going to be playing us to the Milwaukee Brewers. Brandon Woodruff is going to be going for the crew, and Shane Boz, the Boz, is going to be on the bump for Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, any between minus 107 to minus 119 favorites with the Brewers. You're going to be finding them and between minus 105 and a plus 109. 7 is your total over Zenny between minus 110 and minus 125. The under Zenny between minus 110 and plus 105 and I think bookmakers heard me. I was finding the Brewers as a very slight favorite on a lot of opening numbers when we did this with Joe. Now you're finding the Tampa Bay Rays as a favorite and I think that this is correct. I wound up setting the buzz as a minus 134 favorite because Brandon Woodruff about like Two and a half to three weeks ago, he was on the injured list and he had no feeling in his fingers. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be rolling the dice on a guy who couldn't feel his fingers a few weeks ago to throw 90 plus mile per hour fastballs. With Brandon Woodruff, even when he's been out there this year, this guy has been a hot mess. He's got a 5-3 and three record, but a 474 ERA, including an 814 road ERA, so... It's been far from terrific. He's giving up right around a home run and a half per nine innings. Walks per nine rate isn't too bad, right around a 2.6, but points are going to get off of him. Brandon Woodruff was an all-star last year, but you could tell that he was sort of regressing a little bit towards the end of the season, and that really manifested itself towards the front half of this season. And for Shane Boss, he wound up getting the season on the injured list and wound up having a little bit of a rough first start for the team. But you take a look at what the Boss has been able to do recently, and it's been relatively good. Last few starts to combine 10 and two-thirds innings against the Orioles and the Yankees, giving up one run 
one, two walks in that time span while getting 13 strikeouts. This guy is going to be just an absolutely amazing starter. He's sort of on that Shane McClanahan trajectory, in my opinion, now with the Tampa Bay Rays. What you do have with this team is a little bit of a lack of power. Mike Zanino last year wound up having 30-plus home runs. That has taken a massive dip as Isaac Paredes. Thanks to him having a four-home run week last week. He is the only guy with north of seven home runs. He's currently got 10. He has been their main power hitter, so that is a little bit of concern, but you got guys are able to get on base for this team. Aaron Ramirez is sitting above a 3 G-Man Choi, along with the NDDS. Both of these guys have a north of a 375 on base for Randy Arena is sitting about a 255. Got a feel like the power is going to be coming with them. Guys at the bottom of the fold, like Rene Pinto, Taylor Walls, Brett Phillips, Vidal Brujan. They have not been able to get on base, hitting a buck 80 or lower. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, you really don't have a guy that is in the lineup day in and day out that is sitting above a 260, really, other than Mark Barrasso, the former Tampa Bay Ray that wanted coming out the injured list. He's been able to hit a 280 for this team, but guys like Rowdy Telez, Hunter Renfro has been dealing with a little bit of an injury, Victor Carantini throwing their Christian Yelich, Andrew McCutcheon. They're only in between about a 245 to a 250 now. Rowdy Telez and Hunter Renfro both have 13 home runs this season, and William Adams. The batting average is way down, hitting at 215. He has been able to give the team 15 homers, and for the Brewers, they've been able to provide 99 homers in 75 games thus far this season, but still a little bit of a worry spot now with the Brewers. If they are able to get to the 8th and ninth inning with a lead, it's lights out. Devin Williams along with Josh Hader. These guys have been automatic all season long, but I don't know if they're going to be able to get to that spot. Trevor Gott has been up and down with regards to his play this season. Right around a 360 ADR. He wound up just coming off the injured list. Brad Boxberger has been solved, but I don't know how much length you're going to be able to get out of Brandon Woodruff. And then for the Tampa Bay Rays, J.P. Fireeyes and still on the injured list, but Jason Adam has been able to post up a sub to ERA. Colin Pooch has been one of the more trustworthy relievers out there in the big leagues. Jalen Beeks has a 260 ERA. Ralph Garza Jr. is a long guy. If you need him, he's got right around 3-5-ish ERA. Brooks Raley, sub-250 ERA. This has been a bullpen. That's been amazing all season long. I've got a little bit more faith here in the Boz rather than a guy in Brandon Wardroff making his first start off the injured list. Did wind up saying my total at a 7.8. Got a pair of offenses with not a lot of firepower, but I just don't think that you're going to get a good start here out of Brandon Wardroff. So, looking over and looking right. 979-980 on the bang board. The New York Metropolitans are going to be playing those to the Houston Astros. From Valdez is going to be going for the Strohs and Carlos. Cookie Carrasco is on the bump for the Mets. The Mets are finding themselves as a little bit of an underdog. Anywhere between plus 105 and plus 113. Meanwhile, if you're looking at Eason, it's anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. It is your total. Over is minus 105. The under is minus 105. And I wound up saying the Mets at a plus 114. So I need another penny to be able to take a shot. But this opened up with the Mets being a minus 115 favorite. Take a look at the line movement right now. This is going to wind up being a play on the New York Mets unless we wind up seeing a complete reverse of the line movement and the public just decides, you know what, we're not necessarily in on the Houston Astros, which I don't expect that to be the case. So with the way that this line is moving, I expect this to be a play on the New York Metropolitans. And for Carlos Carrasco, relatively steady Eddie thus far this season. A guy that is giving up right around 1.2 home runs for 9 innings, a full 42 ERA. Not necessarily terrific, but he's been significantly better at home than on the road. 3 home ERA, 6-11 road ERA. 7 starts in both environments, and the big thing with him is that City Field, where he pitches at home much more pitcher friendly in terms of the home run ball. He's given up two bombs in 42 innings at home, seven home runs in 35 and a third innings on the road, and opponents they're about 50 points lower off of him at home. Meanwhile, Frember Valdez, he's got an issue giving up walks, as this is a man that has given up right around 3.2 walks per nine innings. He only gets right around 7.7 strikeouts per nine, but it's been very good whenever he's hit the road now. He has been giving up a few more runs recently, as he's given up at least three total runs, at least two earned runs in each out of his last three starts, but still, 
He's got a buck 95 road ERA in eight road starts. He's given up just three home runs in 50 and two-thirds innings, and that has always been his hallmark. He doesn't wind up giving up the deep ball too much. Five home runs in 87 innings thus far this season, but he's going up against a Mets team that currently they lead the league in batting average, and Pete Alonso, he's been barreling guys up. 22 home runs this far this season. Francisco Lindor, 56 RBI. He has been solid. And then along with Pete Alonso, you've also got Brandon Nimmo, Sterling Marte, Marcana, all in between about a 281 to a 275 Eduardo Escobar. Has really been the weak link of this roster, hitting just about a 225. And the bullpen, it does need a little bit shaking up. You've got Seth Lugo. He has been posting up right around 3-5-ish ERA. It has been tough for Jason Shreve this season. He's been posting up right around 5 ERA. Julie Rodriguez has not been great, but Edwin Diaz, when you're able to give him the ball in the ninth inning, he has been spectacular. Drew Smith, he's been posting up right around 2-ish ERA. And for the Houston Astros, their big hallmark this season has been the bullpen. It has been the number one bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues. Brian Stanek, a sub one ERA. Rafael Montero, he's been posting up right around two-ish ERA. Ryan Presley, you wound up having some falters in New York over the weekend, but I mean, by and large, he's been able to do a very solid job for this team. Hector Neris has been a little bit up and down, but he's been relatively steady for this team as well. Seth Martinez is posting up right around a one ERA as well. So I do think that the Astros should be a little bit of a favorite, but Carlos Carrasco, someone that you want to be taking a look at a little bit differently at home with the way that the line is moving. I'm anticipating this being a plus money play on the New York Mets and I did wind up saying my total at a 9.8 so seeing the 8 I'm going to be looking at an under. Houston has played two thirds of their games thus far this season to the under. I think that that trend is going to continue and going to be looking at the Mets getting a plus 114 really or greater and we wrap things up with 981-982 on the bang board. The Detroit Tigers hit the red face off against the San Francisco Giants with Carlos Rodon going for the Giants and Drake Scoobal is going to be on the bump for Detroit. Your total on this game is 7 and the juice is all over the place. The over is anywhere between even money at minus 115 and the under it is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 120 and if you're taking a look at San Francisco you're going to be getting them as a treat of anywhere between minus 185 and minus 195 and plus 165 to plus 175 is your price on the Tigers and if you're looking at the run line of the Giants you're finding it anywhere between a plus 105 to a plus 115. I was willing to lay up to a minus 120 in this spot with the San Francisco Giants so we are going to be riding with that and I can only set my total at 6.7 because prior to their series against the Arizona Diamondbacks, the Detroit Tigers on the road were averaging right around 2.2 runs per game on the road. This is up to right around a whopper of between about 2.4 to 2.5, but this offense has been completely and utterly anemic this season. You do have Miguel Cabrera, who's been able to hit right around at 300, but Javi Baez in his seven home runs right now leading the way for this team as the Detroit Tigers. They currently have 41 home runs in 72 games. To put this into perspective, Anthony Rizzo and Aaron Judge currently have a combined 48. That is two gentlemen right there, and then just got a bunch of guys that they can't get on base. Cody Clemens, Robbie Grossman, Eric Haas, Jonathan Scope, Spencer Torkelson, Jermair Candelario, they're on their Javi Bias, all hitting a 217 or lower for this team. You've been able to have the Castros and Harold and Willie Castro. Whenever they've been out there, they've been able to get on base. They have not been able to consistently stay out there on the field all season. Now, if there is a positive attribute with the Tigers, this bullpen has been absolutely incredible as they're currently in the top eight in terms of bullpen ERAs. Joey Menes has been able to give you good innings. Alex Lang all season long has been posting up at sub-2 ERA. Will Vest 
Valdez wound up getting lit up a little bit over the weekend, but Gregory Soto, one of the better closers that you're going to find out there in the big leagues. Even someone like an Andrew Chafin, he's got north of a 3 ERA, but he's been relatively soft for the team in the San Francisco Giants. They had the lone sub-3 bullpen ERA in the big leagues last season that has really been ticking upward. I will say this, with Tyler Rogers, he had a very bad start to the season. He's been able to do a little bit better recently as he's got a 216 ERA over his last 30 days. You've got John Brebbia, who's been able to post up a sub-3 ERA, Jarlon Garcia, along with Dominique Leon. They've been able to come in. They've been able to do a relatively solid job, but guys like Jake McGee and company, they have not been able to do their part. And then you take a look at the San Francisco Giants lineup, and you've got Jock Peterson, the Jock Show, who's been able to give you 17 home runs thus far this season, and this is a team that they just do such a masterful job of being able to platoon as Ian Thario Estrada in between a 265 to a 275 Luis Gonzalez has been able to 300. And you got a lot of guys sort of hitting in that pocket of, I would say, about a 240 to a 255 Austin Slater, Austin wins. Kirk Caselli, you're able to throw in there Lamonte Wade whenever he's been out there because he's been banged up. Mike Ustremski, Wilmer Flores, they all find themselves in that fold end with Ustremski right around a 350 on base. He's been able to do a good job of being able to provide a little bit more power recently, more than what could be said with the Detroit Tigers and Carlos Rodon. He has been just amazing with the swing and miss stuff right around 11.3 strikeouts per nine innings, giving up just four home runs in 80 innings. And you take a look at about at home, 218 ERA across his six starts. He has given up just eight runs. Opponents throwing a buck 93 off of him. Walks per nine rate can be a little bit of a concern for Carlos Rodon. It's a little bit north of three. And for Terry Skubal, last season he was really giving up the deep ball. This year he's really been able to rein it in, giving up 0.7 home runs per nine innings. And right around two walks per nine, nine and a half strikeouts per nine innings. But last few starts have been rough for him. He's given up at least three runs in each out of his last four starts and has went five innings or fewer in each out of his last three. You've noticed that the competition has stiffened up a little bit for him. And as a result, his numbers have wound up plummeting. He's actually been a little bit better on the road than he has been at home. 369 home area, 357 area on the road. And the way that he's pitched, he's been getting a little bit unlucky. So I do think that he's going to be able to do a solid job for the Sager team. But it's just a problem of if Tyreek Skubal winds up giving up two runs, it may not be good enough for the Detroit Tigers to cover the run line because their offense is that bad. I set this total at a 6.7. So I'm going to be looking at the under and I'm going to be looking at the Giants on the road line. And that will wrap things up for the Tuesday edition of the Baseball betting show now part of the Vison family of podcasts a big thanks to joe fan of the bet to win podcast with win bet and if you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast the baseball betting show you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts apple Podcasts, google play spotify citra and tune in if you've got a question comment segment idea whatever you for this podcast you do have one of two ways we offer those in first one is my twitter timeline at gnet underscore d1 keep in mind letters cm amy does not matter so as per usual please do send these into the timeline other ways find an apple podcast review if you rate this podcast five stars it's very much appreciated from there you're Firing whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Right, the five star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, and that means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed 
Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.